Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Thank you, Trent. Good morning, Resound Church. How are you guys going? Very good. It's good to be together. Hey, awesome. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. It's great to be with you all. Thank you, Trent, for the introduction. As Trent said, I'm Johnny, and um, I'm from Geelong, born and bred in Geelong, as you can tell by the accent. You know, it's only an hour down the road, but it's just amazing what the hour can do to the Aussie accent. You know, you begin to sound like this the further away from Melbourne you get. I'm joking. I'm not from Geelong, born and bred. I'm uh, originally from England, and I feel more at home today after meeting David here in the third row. From, uh, I don't know if I can say sunny St. Helens. I don't think St. Helens has seen sun for decades in England. Um, but it's great to meet you and hear an English accent here today. Any other English people here today? A few. So there's a few people that can understand me this morning. That is awesome. Very good. You know, I first came to Australia in 2007. And that was to play cricket. Back then, my focus was cricket. And so I came to Geelong to play a summer of cricket and uh, went back home and returned again in 2012. And it was then that I started to attend the church that I now pastor. I met my now wife. She wasn't my, my wife then. She was the youth pastor at the time. We met. And you fast forward 10 years. And we've been married for nearly eight years. We have three children together. We have Lily, who is five, Noah, who is three, and Leo, who is three and a half months. And uh, I no longer play cricket. And so it's interesting how life can change so quickly. I think I've got a photo here. That is my tribe, beautiful wife and kids. The reason why we haven't got us all together is because we haven't got round to the new family photos. And when we do take them, there's always a kid that looks like Noah there. She's pulling an unhappy face, so we're like, you know what, that's the best that we can do. You know, before that we get into the word today, um, I just want to take a moment to honour your senior pastors and our senior pastors at Grace Church, Wayne and Ruth, and they're not in the room today, but that doesn't mean that we can't honour them. I think it's even more special when we share a spirit of honour when people aren't actually with us. I know they'll be watching somewhere online, I think they're in Malulabar, I think it's raining, I don't know. Yeah, I think they've had a great trip, but it's raining there at the minute. And, um, you know, at Grace Church, we truly love and appreciate Wayne and Ruth. I know that they've been the senior pastors here for a couple of decades, and they are newer at Grace Church, but we've grown to love Wayne's quirky sense of humor. I don't know if you guys would use that same description, but definitely quirky sense of humor. And what isn't there to love about Ruth? She's amazing. She just pours out herself to so many people. And so can we, together today... Just give Wayne and Ruth a huge round of applause and give them some honour. Awesome. And I want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you for sharing your pastors. Thank you for releasing them and letting them come and um, help us at Grace Church with all God is doing down in Geelong. Awesome. So as a church, you guys are in a series called The In-Between. Is that right? And so the purpose of this series is to talk about our Christian journey from when we meet Jesus um, and we surrender ourselves and he's our Lord and Savior to when we see him again face to face. And I've been following along from afar. I've listened to Sarah and Trent's messages and Simon last week. Mate, what a word. That was an absolutely incredible word. I enjoyed your word while I was running along the waterfront this week and um, it was just rich. 
full of wisdom and practical application. I just want to speak encouragement over your Simon. You've got a gift to communicate the word of God. You may not do it regularly, weekly, but know that you're not a filling. When you speak, God speaks through you. And so thank you for the word that you brought last week. Um, it was an encouragement to me. And so today is week four, and you've been journeying through the book of First Peter. And uh, today we're going to look at two verses, First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. You're going to have to be quick, otherwise it's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, and here is what it says. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, I think it's given it away what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the grace of God. No, we're not. We're going to talk about holiness. It mentions it all the way through those two verses. And, you know, what is holiness? What is the purpose of holiness in our lives? How do we practice it? And what are some of the challenges we face? There are some of the questions I'm going to attempt to bring clarity this morning through that passage of Scripture. And so, what is holiness? You know, holiness is a word that can sometimes sound daunting. I think often we associate the word holiness to um, certain groups of people, maybe religious figures, the religious elite like the Pope and nuns and monks. You know, they're the holy, set-apart people of God. Or maybe it's those really spiritual Christians that we all know. Maybe we don't classify ourselves as that, but those Christians that always seem to have it all together. The Christians that know what to say at just the right time, they can just quote scripture off the top of their head and when they stub their toe, they go, oh sugar, instead of you fill in the blank, I'll let you fill in the blank this morning. But they just don't seem to put a foot wrong. This is often who we see as holy and so this word holy or holiness can seem unattainable to us. You know, I just want to start this morning by looking at a definition so that we can get a clarity on what holiness is, so we can understand that scripture together in a greater way. And so from the King James Version Bible, a definition of holiness is this, properly whole, entire or perfect in a moral sense, hence pure in heart, temper or dispositions, free from sin and sinful affections. To be perfect in a moral sense, pure in heart, free from sin and sinful affections. Now let's just keep deep diving for just a moment and let's have a look at the original meaning of the word holy in the scriptures. And so the Hebrew word for holy is the word kadosh. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And this means to be set apart. It means to be separated for a specific Purpose. And so if we look at that definition and the meaning of the original word and bring them together to get a clearer picture of what holiness means, it means to be set apart for a sacred purpose, living pure, morally perfect lives. You see, holiness can be broken down into two parts, our identity and who we are, but also our character and who we're becoming. It's something that we both possess but also something that we're growing in. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands today for who feels holy. I'm not sure how many hands we'd get across this room. It may depend upon whether you've had your morning coffee or not, 
for the parents in the room, it may be how easy it was to get your kids out of the house. I know for me, I often feel very unholy driving in the car on the way to church after trying to get three kids out of the house. Maybe it's the traffic on the way in here that could have just you know, ruffled a few feathers and maybe affecting that feeling of holiness. But in the context that we've now got of what holiness is, let's read First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16 again. And it says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, our God is holy. Our God is set apart from all creation. There is nobody else like our God. He is perfect. He is complete. He is pure in all that he does, in his motives and his actions. He is faultless. Our God is a holy God. Holiness is central to God's identity. It is central to his nature and his character. It isn't what he does, it's who he is. Our God is a holy God. You know, Jesus is called the Holy One of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. If we want to get a clear picture of who God is, read the Gospels and see how Jesus operated, and that is who our God is. Jesus, the Holy One of God, he was separated for a sacred purpose to be able to give us forgiveness of our sins. And he lived a life that was free of sin, free of blemish, free of fault while he was here on earth. And so Peter writes, just like God is holy, also be holy in all you do. Be holy because God is holy. In other words, be set apart, be pure in heart and perfect morally. Is anybody else challenged by that? Does that sound like anybody's Monday to Friday? Doesn't sound like mine. Yet it's in the scriptures. Yet Peter's writing to the early church, be holy. He's speaking to us today saying, hey, resound church, be holy just as God is holy. Now there's a truth that we need to understand when it comes to holiness. I've talked about identity and character, which is what we're going to break open today. And whether we feel it or not this morning... As a follower of Jesus, you are holy. You are holy. Holy is your identity. It's who you are. It's your position and identity before God. Hebrews 10.10 says this, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are holy. Now, the person who you didn't say you're holy to, turn to them and say, you're not as holy as that person, but I still think you're holy this morning. (laughs) It's interesting who you chose this morning. If there's any husbands and wives sat next to each other and you didn't turn to each other, then there's some things that you need to talk about. But here's the key to this series of holiness and the in-between. The in-between isn't about striving to attain or achieve a position of holiness in God's sight, but it's instead learning to live in the identity we already possess and develop the holy character we are called to have. I'm going to say that one more time. The in-between isn't about striving to attain or achieve a position of holiness in God's sight, but it's instead learning to live in the identity we already possess and develop the holy character we are called to have. You see, holiness is about being set apart. What does it mean to be set apart? Well, set apart for who? You have been set apart for God. 
Your life has been set apart for him and him alone. Not so that you can serve your own desires, not that you can serve your own dreams, but that you would lay your life down and say, God, I'm now set apart for you and your service. You know, set apart for what? From what? The world and the way that this world operates. Set apart from our life before Christ. Set apart from our sinful desires and those things that try and pull us away from God. You know, the New Testament word for holy translates as saints. And so whenever you read the New Testament and you see that word saint, it translates as hagios, which is holy. And so all through the New Testament, there's these encouragements for the saints, the holy people of God, to be set apart from the world and the culture and the behaviors and the mindsets and the way that people around us are living. Set apart how? You're set apart to live differently. You know, we haven't been saved and Jesus didn't go to the cross and die for our sins so that we could blend in. So that our lives could look similar to everybody else's. We've been called to a higher standard. You see, holiness is about calling people to a higher standard to bring the salt and the light into the world. To not just go into the world and accept what's going on, but to be different. To be set apart. That when people see our lives, they see something different of us. They see something of Jesus in us. A holiness and a purity of God in our lives that's on display for those around us. We are God's representatives. And Romans tells us to not conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. To not think the way that this world thinks but to take on the identity of Jesus, of holiness and purity, as he calls us to do, to not blend in, but be set apart. You know, as a practicing Christian in this country, you're set apart by percentage. It's believed now that practicing Christianity across Australia uh, represents 7% of the population. That's a pretty low number. So whether we like it or not, we are a significant minority in this country by association with Jesus, and we can either see that as a problem or an opportunity. I choose to see it as an opportunity. I choose to see it as God's mission, alive and active in the church today, to see that number go from 7 to 10 to 12 to 15 to 20%, and eventually... Hopefully more than this country would become the great Southland of the Holy Spirit once again. And how does that happen? I believe it's by representing Jesus in our holiness. Each and every day, the world needs our holiness. Set apart why? You set apart for God's exclusive use. To be used by him and him alone for his kingdom and his glory. You know, when we surrender our life to Jesus, we step into the purpose and the fulfillment that we were always meant to experience. So often I think that we can think ministry and ministry can often be the platform and the, the keyboard and the worship leader and the preacher, whereas your life is ministry. Going about your everyday life is ministry. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel. And Jesus said that it was doing the work of God that actually fueled him. He said to his disciples, you know, I've got a food that you don't know about. He was fueled by the work of God. And so as we surrender our lives and we step into the calling that God's got for us, it's there that we find fulfillment and purpose. When we value the things of God, it's there that we're energized and we come to life as people, because it's what we were always created to do. 
You know, based on this definition, one of the most holy places in your home is your toilet. (laughs) It was created for a purpose. And if you were to use that toilet for any other purpose, it wouldn't make sense. If you were to go and cook a beautiful dinner and then sit on that toilet and eat that dinner, it wouldn't work. The toilet is used for a different purpose following that dinner, not to eat your dinner there. And so by all you know, purposes, your toilet is set apart for a specific use and purpose. Just think about that next time that you're you know, in that room, that you're in the presence of holiness. And I use that analogy this morning just to drive home the point that a toilet has been set apart for a purpose, and so is your life. It's been set apart for the purposes of God. As you surrender to him, the in-between is now about surrendering your life in holiness to him. As a redeemed child of God, you're set apart for God's purposes in this world. As someone who is holy and set apart for God's purposes, God's desire is to produce holy character in us. You see, the purpose of holiness isn't to produce an external facade, but to produce an inward transformation. Jesus talked about inward transformation regularly throughout the Gospels. You know, Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about holiness. And he says this, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. You see, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were so concerned about the external and what could make us unclean in the sight of God. For instance, not washing your hands before you eat in their eyes was a way of making you unclean before God. Now, if there's something good that has come out of COVID, it's been that our hygiene practices have improved. We wash our hands a lot more. We care about each other's hygiene in a greater way. But to be honest with you, even after COVID, I still don't wash my hands before eating. If there's a burger there, I'm not going to say, excuse me, Trent, I'm just going to go to the toilet and wash my hands before I devour this. I am going for that food first and foremost. Am I on my own this morning? Come on, guys. Do you know the great thing about being honest in church? You can't be judged. You can't be judged. So I can be as honest as I want this morning and you've got to accept me as I am. That's it. And so for, in Jesus' day, they were so concerned about the external, but Jesus flipped and reversed it and says, I care about what's going on the inside. I care about what's going on in the inside of people and the hard attitude of people because ultimately what goes on the inside of us is going to come out. What's happening in here in each and every one of us, is what's going to happen and be a reality in the external. If we can have, have some intentional time working in our inner world and on our holiness, then the outward will follow. You see, we can so easily focus on the external, and I'd go as far to say we can be praised for the external. We can spend time, you know, my hair's starting to disappear slowly but surely. Spend time each morning doing our hair and ironing our clothes and making sure that the car looks nice and making sure that the house looks nice and be Instagram ready for whenever that moment comes that you have the urge or the impulse to take that selfie with the family. We wait for the instant gratification from everybody giving you those likes. And you can be like, gee, doesn't my life look great? Look at me, look at the outside of my life and how good it all looks. 
It's so easy for us to praise the outer world, but what about our inner world? What about what's going on on the inside? Jesus cares about our inner world, and he taught directly about holiness. You see, Jesus wasted no time in publicly sharing about holiness and the standards and the ways of the kingdom of God. And what was believed to be his first public address, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus revealed God's heart and desire for holiness and purity in those who would follow him. You see, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, there's this pattern of communication that Jesus has where he presents something from the Mosaic law. And he says, you have heard it said, and then he follows it up by saying, but I say. He brings a a new standard almost, a new expectation for those who are considering following him. He says, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say, if you are even angry, you are subject to judgment, guilty. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, if you even looked at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. You know, Jesus was saying that outward behavior doesn't happen by accident, but it's the result of what happens in our heart. And so if our inner world can align with God's desires, so will our outward actions. And even in a greater way, we'll be able to overcome the external passions and desires and temptations of the world because it won't align with what's been built on the inside of us. And so very clearly, Jesus sets out his standards and expectations for holy living. And you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, And I get to the end and I'm like, well, I'm stuffed. I don't know about you guys, but I read those standards and I'm like, I cannot live to those standards that Jesus presents. There's no way I can fulfill each and every one of those requirements that Jesus talks about. And you're like, cool, well, it's all over then. That's it. No, it's not. The point is you're not meant to be able to. The point is that there's a new reliance upon the grace of God. There's a new reliance upon the person of Jesus. We were never meant to be able to attain a a level of holiness through our own personal devotion and our own sacrifices that yes, there has to be a level of devotion to Jesus to see something happen in us, but it's never meant to be done in our own strength. If ever there's a shift in us that doesn't come from God, it becomes self-righteousness. We start looking to ourselves and how good are we? And so we can read the Sermon on the Mount and it can either bury us or encourage us. And so when I read it, it encourages me to go, okay, God, this is your standard. You're not excusing what it is that you're wanting from your followers. But how is it possible? How is it that we can experience this holiness that Jesus was talking about? And I've just got three simple applications that I want to bring to you today that I believe God has used in my life to bring about some holiness to this point of my Christian journey. Some are spiritual and some are practical. And so the first one that I want to share is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Often he can be the forgotten one. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, through Christ, he has cleaned out the debt of sin from our earthly bodies. And the scriptures now say that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God in his fullness now dwells in each and every believer. And he's there to empower us. And he's there to equip us. And he's there to encourage us. But do you know what else he's there for? He's there to convict us. We don't talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit enough in church. 
We talk about speaking in tongues and prophecy and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the awesome stuff that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. But we need to remember that Jesus says that he was sending the Holy Spirit to convict the world of its sin. Conviction is a healthy thing when it draws us towards God and it produces a holiness in us. If ever you're feeling convicted about something and it's drawing you away from God, it's not the Holy Spirit. That's an attack of the enemy. That's potentially a voice in your mind. Conviction is there to draw us to God, to reveal something in us that God desires to change or to shift in us and to pursue holiness. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And so it's God's desire that through the Holy Spirit, our lives would be transformed to become more like Christ, separated from sin, pursuing holiness. The second thing that I want to encourage you with is we need the power of the Holy Spirit and we need the Word of God. The formula's always the same. When it comes to transformation in our life, we need the Holy Spirit and we need the Word of God. You know, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit work in partnership. And the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and active. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 says this about the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, our challenge when it comes to the Word of God is not to pick and choose the parts that we want to read and apply and pick and choose the parts that we don't. We need to take the whole Word as God as capital T truth, that it is God-breathed, it is God-inspired, it's alive and active today for every believer and the Holy Spirit in partnership with the Word of God is bringing it to life. And that God's desire isn't that we would just have our five minutes in the morning where we read a devotion or the Bible, but that actually the word of God would become in us. The word of God would be something that's alive and it's active and it's working in us, as the scriptures say, for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that we as his servants can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Who wants to be equipped for good work? I want to be equipped for good work. I'm just trying my best here as a Christian and as a pastor to do what God's called me to do. I've got minimal answers to so many things, but the word of God has all the answers. Yet so often we rely on, as Simon said last week, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook to inform what we should feel in our life choices and decisions when there we've got the word of God laid out for us. The third thing that I want to present to you today to see holiness grow in our lives is that we need one another. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God and we need one another. We need relationship. We need accountability. We need mentoring from one another. You see, one of your values here at Resound Church is authentic. Is that right? One of your five values, you know, your acronym is grace, you've got generous, you've got relational, you've got authentic, compelling, and encouraging. Hey, I am coming to resound. I passed the test, Trent, I'm in, I'm in. There we go. But authentic shouldn't just be a word that hangs on the wall. I know you don't have words on the wall here, but it shouldn't just be a word on your website. It shouldn't just be a word in a brochure. 
It should be a reality and a value that is lived and experienced within this community. It should be a freedom that people can have when they come to Resound Church, not to feel like they need to be anybody else than who they are. Now, what that means is if we're going to be authentic, we need to be open to taking the good and the not so good. And I think that if we're open to having a real gospel view of the church in our lives, we should expect that there's going to be not so good going on in people's lives. There's not so good going on. It shouldn't take us by surprise when someone says, hey, I'm struggling with sin. And you're like, what? You're struggling with what? Still? That's still going on? You've been in this church. What is going on? Come on. Quicken up. Get with the program. That isn't how we should respond or how we should think. It should be like, hey, so am I. I've got stuff going on as well. Hey, do you want to keep each other accountable? Do you want to talk about this? Do you want to pray together? Do you want to see what God will do in and amongst each other as we are authentic and we are open about our journey of holiness? You see, we're never going to be completely whole until we face Jesus face to face. And so we're always going to be faced with challenges, with, with sins, with whatever it may be in our lives. And the quicker we embrace that, the better. We can drop the facade And we can have the Holy Spirit, the word of God and one another to speak into each other's lives. You see, what the enemy wants to do, one of his greatest tactics is the tactic of silence. He wants to silence you. He wants you to feel like you could be the only person going through what it is you're going through. That nobody else could understand. That if you speak up and you speak out, then you'll be judged. That people don't want to know you. It's gone through my head before. Has it gone through anybody else's head here today? He wants to silence you. Whereas the word of God says this, James chapter 5 verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer, counsel and accountability create an environment for God to move amongst us to move in us and through us as we pursue and nurture holiness together. Just some wisdom for that scenario. When it comes to sharing what's going on, the inside of our life and maybe something that we're carrying, I'd encourage you to pick the right environment. We need to be able to discern the difference between a small group of people and maybe a one-on-one pastoral catch-up. Some things are appropriate for a small group and a coffee catch-up one-on-one, and you need to discern where it is you'll share information. The second thing that you need to also consider is, is that person uh, the right person to share it with? Do you have a relationship with them? Do you already have a foundation of trust? Are they committed to you? Are you committed to them? Are they going to help you and guide you moving forward from whatever it is you share? The third thing is that if you're that person, be ready to love unconditionally. Be ready to journey with them. Be ready to hear them out. Be ready to offer prayer. Be ready to offer accountability and nurture holiness in one another. Does that sound good this morning? Awesome. You know, here's the reality and the challenge of holiness. That character and holiness is built in us and it's a journey. You know, we're holy in the sight of God. We're set apart. It's our identity. But the outworking of it in our lives is this in between that we're talking about. You know, Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who were being made holy. 
We are both holy and being made holy. You know, this is a journey that we're all on. And for some of us, this journey may have been weeks or months. For others, it's been years or maybe even decades. We're all on this journey of of holiness. And, you know, I was reminded, I'm reminded each and every week about my journey of holiness. You see, I mentioned earlier that I play cricket or used to play cricket. And uh, I need to find an outlet now for my competitiveness for my sporting juices that are just in me. And so I play indoor soccer once a week back in Geelong, and it's awesome. We play with some of the church guys and some guys who don't go to church. So for me as a pastor, surrounded by Christians for most of my week, it's good to get around people that don't know Jesus. And so I go and play indoor soccer. Now, I don't know if this is clinically diagnosed, but I suffer from this thing called white line fever. The line's there and I cross it and I just become a beast. And it's just uncontrollable. I just don't know what happens. Just a a switch in me flicks and I'm just this different person on a soccer court and I'm just so driven and determined to win. To want to just see my team do well and play the best that I I can for my team. And, you know, I came to this realisation a couple of weeks ago that I'm past my peak on the indoor soccer court. I know. I'm 33 in a month and I'm past my peak on the indoor soccer court. Now I'm still playing well. I'm still scoring goals. But whereas previously I used to use my speed and agility to get past players, now I'm using my weight. Now I'm like, hey, get off the ball. Whereas previously I just slipped by. And so I came home to Georgie the other day and I'm like, hey, babe, I'm past my peak. I don't know how I'm going to be able to get this speed and agility. I don't know what's happened through COVID, but the average age of the players on a soccer court has dropped by about 10 years. All the teams that we play against now are like 18, 19, 20. You know the really annoying thing? They bring their girlfriends along to watch. And so they've got like this cheerlead squad on the side and they're all just like arrogant, doing all these stepovers and fancy skills. And it doesn't help my white line fever. If anything, it makes me worse. And so I just give them a bit of a kick and argue with the umpire a little bit. And I drive home each week and I'm like, Johnny, you did it again. Every week you've got a fresh opportunity to behave yourself. (laughs) And so a funny story. A couple joined our church during COVID. And uh, I went over to meet them. And I looked at this guy. And I said, do we know each other? And he's like, I think we've played soccer against each other. And so he, so straight away, he was like, hey, I am so sorry for my team. He's like, my team loved to, you know, be physical and try and get in a fight with the opposition. And I'm like, oh, I can't remember any of that. I was probably the one doing it. So I'm sorry. And so here we were, we just shared names, saying sorry to each other in the foyer of our church for our behavior on the soccer court. And I'm just like, Johnny, you need to get a grip. The good thing is that this couple have now asked me to conduct their wedding at the end of the year. So obviously they see something of Jesus in me. But indoor soccer each week reminds me that I'm a work in progress in my holiness. And that's a funny and simple analogy and story that I can share. And, but while I was preparing for this message, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, whilst you're competitive on the soccer court, don't use it as an excuse. Because even in that environment, you're called to be set apart, holy, and my representative. What is it in your life? 
What area of your life is God challenging you in the area of holiness? How are you pursuing the call to holiness in your life? How are you allowing holiness to progress? You see, your spiritual diet is important. What you allow in is important. I think so often as Christians, we can feel pressured to be relevant. Yes, we need to be relevant, but never compromise. Never compromise on the holiness and the pursuit of holiness in our lives. That we shouldn't be seeing how close we can get to the line of sin. We should be running from it. We shouldn't be saying, hey, maybe if we get here, it's not too bad. As soon as we see anything or a feeling in us, we should be running in the opposite direction. What areas of your life do you need the Holy Spirit to come into? How do you need the Word of God to challenge you? Do you need some accountability or counsel from a Christian mentor or pastor? And ultimately, what I'm saying this morning is, are you open to discipleship? You see, we can do Sunday to Sunday church. We can rock in here and we can sing some songs with this awesome band and the preacher will give it a good crack and hopefully God will do something through what he says and we can go home and live our week again. But that isn't what we were designed to do. We were designed to be in relationship and community and accountability with one another. And this is discipleship. And ultimately what should flow from discipleship is transformation and part of that transformation should be holiness. And so it's not about today going, you know what, I'm just going to do all of this stuff that Johnny said. What I'd encourage you is catch up someone for a coffee once a month and say, hey, can we have real chats together? Can we check in and ask some questions of what's going on in the inside of our life? See, the way that we live in the in-between truly matters. Would you stand with me this morning? There's a scripture in Hebrews 12, one verse. And this is a drop the mic scripture when it comes to holiness. And here's what it says. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I want people to see the Lord. There's 93% of Australia that need to see the Lord. And I believe he's going to see it through a holy church. I believe he's going to see it through Christians that take discipleship seriously. For Christians that are committed to inner transformation so that the outward of our life can be seen by those who we do life with. And so just close your eyes with me this morning. As these guys just play softly in the background. Just become aware of the presence of God. God's presence is here right now. Just quiet your mind and quiet your heart. The Holy Spirit lives within you. God himself dwells in you. And as I've been talking today, what's he been saying to you? What area of your life maybe isn't aligning to God's plan and purpose? What's the Holy Spirit just beginning to poke and prod and bring a healthy conviction in you? What's your spiritual diet like? What are you allowing in that maybe you shouldn't? Because as the scriptures say, without holiness, we can't see the Lord.
And so whatever it is God's speaking to you about now, the next question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to God? What are you going to put in place? Father God, we just love you. And I just thank you this morning for your love and your grace. Without your grace, we would be nothing. I thank you for the cross of Jesus. I thank you for his saving act, the work of redemption for the whole world. That today we stand before you forgiven every sin, past, present and future forgiven. Set apart, holy, to be used by you. I know today has been an enchallen- a challenging word, but I pray it's also an encouragement that God desires to work in us and through us. And so Holy Spirit, in these moments, we just ask that you would do what only you can do. Challenge us, encourage us, shape us, mould us to become more like Jesus. Nurture holiness within us. Transform our inner being transform our hearts transform our minds through the power of your Holy Spirit through the word of God in this amazing incredible gospel centered community and so Jesus we just give you all the praise we give you all the glory in Jesus mighty name Amen Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.